0: Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Sampke.
1: And I'm Jay McKenzie.
0: Ronna Romney McDaniel keeps her job as the RNC chair, but what about the 30% of Republicans that would prefer Mike Lindell? And were the cops that killed Tyree Nichols in a gang? Or is Lauren Witzke telling stories again? Remember, if you enjoy our work, please subscribe to our newsletter at www.didnothingwrongpod.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. Thanks again for your support. We've got a great show for you today. Thanks for listening. McDaniel beat out her opponents and won a fourth term as head of the Republican National Committee, the RNC. In a statement afterwards, McDaniel told the RNC committee members, quote, We need all of us. We heard you, Grassroots. We know. We heard Harmeet. We heard Mike Lindell. But with us united and all of us going together, the Democrats are going to hear us in 2024 when we take back the White House and the Senate. The final vote tally had 111 votes for McDaniel. 51 for Harmeet Dillon, and 4 for Mike Lindell. What do you think this tells us about the state of the Republican Party and its future trajectory?
1: Well, my first thought is, do you really need to hear Mike Lindell? Maybe you have to hear him because he's shouting so loudly and there are so many my pillow promo codes that you can't just ignore the guy who <laughs> everybody's <laughs> got to get in on the pillow sales because i guess the uh, returns on that must be good but yeah i don't know why do they feel like they have to listen to mike lindell and he has to be part of the conversation and i think a bit of that is lip service but if you look at like this uh rasmussen poll which rasmussen is kind of respectable but also very heavily maga as a as a polling company but they had this poll shortly before the vote for rnc chair and it had 15 percent of likely republican voters supported ronna mcdaniel for another term as rnc chair meanwhile 30 percent of gop voters supported mike lindell with 20 percent supporting harmeet Dillon, and the rest were either didn't support any of them or were undecided. But 30% of Republicans want Mike Lindell to be the head of the RNC. And so I guess if you're Ronna McDaniel, you have to pay a bit of lip service. And the divide here is the people who actually voted for the RNC chair, they're part of the RNC. We don't have a national election to elect the head of our political parties. But no, they're aware of these polls. They're aware of how popular Mike Lindell is. And so they have to at least pay lip service. Now, I know Mike Lindell has gone on Bannon show and complained about Ron McDaniel not taking his calls and not listening to him. And he also did this standing next to Carrie Lake where in the same interview, Steve Bannon is calling her the, the current governor of Arizona. Why isn't Ronna McDaniel listening to the governor of Arizona, which she very right. much is not. And Katie Hobbs is already in the governor's mansion. But
0: this is Mike Lindell from Steve Bannon's War Room podcast.
2: But one of the things, that I want to say is we need to hold the RNC accountable. She, they did say, I will work with Mike Lindell. I can't wait to work with Mike Lindell. Well, when you work with me, you, it's election crime, not a weak word like election integrity. It's called the election crime. We're going to talk later in the week. We're setting up the election crime unit, Steve. So everybody stay tuned. It's going to be big.
1: This is the world they live in. This is the information space they inhabit. So... Mike Lindell, to 30% of GOP voters, they know what they're going to get in terms of conspiracies and election lies and utter nonsense, but they're here for it.
0: Yeah, he also claims, this is an article from the Huffington Post... Um, In his sales pitch to committee members, as well as in media interviews, he has frequently claimed that he has been a major donor to the RNC, but he stopped after learning of the party's (laughs) wasteful spending, which he termed a money laundering operation. Quote, with the RNC, the money, I used to be a big donor, and when you donate money, and when I find out almost half of it was going to fundraising, that's just too much overhead. That's crazy, Lindell said last week at a quote-unquote debate sponsored by pro-Trump radio host John Fredericks, whose program Lindell sponsors. I'm sure he's got his own 10% off coupon, too. In fact, Lindell has never donated directly to the RNC, and he never donated to a federal candidate or committee at all prior to Trump's nomination in 2016, according to a HuffPost review of FEC records. So it's like the guy has, for lack of a better term, hootspot himself into the conversation about how this should go. And there's a segment of the base that absolutely loves him. They think he's just great. They see him on Bannon's show. They see him on with Flynn. They know that he's sponsoring people like Poso with promo codes for my pillow. I'm sure that he's sold a whole ton of pillows to these people. But he seems to be almost kind of a gadfly in real terms, in terms of actual money, actual being able to put money into these campaigns. So it's big donors versus the base again, it seems for them.
1: Yeah, it's the the very online media space versus the establishment and the donors, and they're vying for the future of the party. And clearly, there are people listening to MAGA Media, and they are hearing the things that Mike Lindell is saying, and they think that sounds great. Dispute every election, or every election we lose must have been rigged. Well, they're, they're okay with it. And Obviously, there's got to be a good amount of that 30% that is on board for QAnon or at least thinks maybe QAnon is right about a lot of things or get some stuff right and you just have to sift through some of the uncertainty whatever the thing is even even if they're not full-throated there are plenty of people who still take that idea seriously and Mike Lindell is fine with that Mike Lindell with his cyber ninjas and his symposiums uh, are still going around still trying mm-hmm. to prove how the election was rigged and he's gonna keep doing it he's gonna get people to keep buying his pillows because he's a proud patriotic American and the it's important for you to support his work as it as it moves forward. And it's really hard to tell with him what part of that is real or mostly his imagination. But it's kind of to the point that it almost doesn't even matter because they still have him on the shows. They still retweet pictures of him and and put the taglines about him fighting for America and all of these things. So I, I know he's doing some of it. I know some of these things he's at least putting on a show and having some sort of performance go out into the world but so much of this is online so it is it's difficult to quantify how many people are listening how many people believe it how much real world support there is and rasmussen is not the most credible poll but it's also not at all i don't find that number difficult to believe we see these tweets about him in their space, in their world going viral. And even though Mike Lindell got deplatformed, and maybe on the left, he really wasn't mentioned, because I think a lot of people were hoping he would just go away, or he would just cease to be relevant. Well, on the right, he didn't go away. He's he's never left. And he's continued to be part of that conversation. So in a way. You look at the three people in the field, and Harmeet Dillon, I think, was supposed to be the MAGA candidate that looked more moderate, because you had kind of the crazy guy and Mike Lindell sitting there. But I think there probably just weren't as many people who knew who she was and haven't really paid attention. I'll look at what I wrote, and this was uh, beginning of January, just talking about who all she's represented. And the list is, it's a who's who of MAGA with Mike Flynn and Project Veritas and Don Jr., Dan Scavino, Robbie Starbuck, Daily Wire, Seb Gorka. Another partner at her firm, Ron Coleman, has represented the founder of the Proud Boys, Gavin McInnes. And the alt-right Twitter alternative gab. And you had Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram endorsing Dylan. But again, I think her numbers were probably lower than Lindell's because plenty of people may have looked at her and said, well, she's, she's a rhino or she's a neocon. And honestly, 10 years ago, she may have been that, but they really were trying to put her out as that MAGA alternative that she's kind of going to play both sides a little bit. And it didn't quite work because again, this wasn't Republican voters. This was donors and members of the RNC voting
0: on this, but she made a pretty big dent. A sizable chunk of the voting percentage. And I think that yeah, you know, obviously, they're really frustrated over there because they haven't had the kind of national success that they'd like to have. And there's a lot of people on that side of the fence that don't think they're going to get it with Ronna McDaniel. They would like to see that change. Steve Bannon, on Monday after the election, he blasted the RNC saying, whatever you do, don't send them any money. He said this on War Room. I expressed a little bit on John Fredericks today. There's a lot to talk about about the RNC. So just take, I understand you guys are still worked up. Whatever you do, don't send them any money. Told them there might be a new rebellion in the works against the more establishment-oriented McDaniel. This is a guy who's got a lot of a lot of stroke here, and he's got a lot of stroke with that extremely online section of the right. They're going to listen to what he says, and if he's saying don't send the RNC any money if they're going to let Ron McDaniel still run it, that's going to hurt, at least from that side.
1: And it it is a question of... What's it going to be like in two years? We, we've we got Trump and his presidential campaign is about to pop off and he's about to be back on Twitter and everything is about to go crazy as as all the other candidates announce. And we see these competing troll armies that are going to be going after each other. And DeSantis has got his own group there and they're trying to outflank Trump from the right on covid and vaccines and after mcdaniel won trump truthed out something about oh congratulations whatever but you can't really see him meaning it can't really see him minding honestly too much who's in charge because i think he he thinks whoever is head of the rnc will be yeah. subservient to him and for the most part he's right and that that is why so much of the the argument and debate here is kind of silly because ronald mcdaniel just kind of had to go along with whatever Trump was doing or saying or supporting. And she's become a scapegoat, but really how much, how much power does she actually have? How much sway does she actually have? Yeah, I do. I do think it is interesting that DeSantis went out of his way and gave this interview with Charlie Kirk and DeSantis essentially endorsed Harmeet Dillon and said, we need a change at the RNC we we need the more grassroots we need someone who's not in dc we need to be talking to the public at large and all of this and it tells us a lot about where the republican party is headed with or without trump because desantis didn't have to weigh into this he didn't have to pick a side No one was waiting for him to say anything, but he intentionally, I think, did this in an interview with Charlie Kirk when Charlie Kirk was the one person who was pushing Harmeet Dillon to the forefront and saying we need change and saying Ron McDaniel isn't good enough and all this. And it really, to me, it, it feels like DeSantis did this because he's trying to get... The MAGA media, the influencers, all these people that have been behind Trump for five, six, seven years, and tell them in a in a less direct way that you can hmm. keep doing what you've been doing if you come over here. Here's this attorney. Here's this, here's Harmie Dillon, who's represented Trump and Kerry Lake, and all of these election deniers, all of these MAGA people. And here's Ron DeSantis endorsing her. And it seems like at the same time, there has been an article with the Daily Beast by Jake Lahoot. Right. Let's see. The article from the Daily Beast was titled, Ron DeSantis' Secret Twitter Army of Far-Right Influencers. And it does go into some of the defections that Trump has dealt with in the very online right. And you look at guys like John Cardillo and Caleb Hull and these people that have been all on the Trump train and were very much part of the MAGA movement. And they're not not denying that. They're not disputing that. They are admitting to this, but they're trying to say, hey, we, we liked all those things Trump did, but we actually think this is a better way forward. And, I think in, in handling it this way and kind of subtly taking this on, they're trying to not rock the boat too much. They're not trying to disavow Trump because I think they know if they go too hard here, there's going to be some whiplash. And, and some people are just going to double right. down on Trump because how dare you? How could you? But instead, if they say, yeah, I was MAGA too, but what about this guy? What about this thing? And, I still don't think it's going to work, but I I see the play here. So this is the, yeah, the Daily Beast article about the Ron DeSantis troll army. And it goes on to describe who exactly we're talking about here and says, And who are, according to three Republicans who received the initial pitch among the ranks in DeSantis's digital army? You've got Jack Murphy, a podcast host and self-described alpha male giga chad. <laughs> Involved in a quasi-professional cuckolding porn scandal. Uh, we haven't gotten <laughs> into that, but <laughs> sidebar, we maybe, maybe we have to at some point. Sorry, that article goes on. It's uh, John Cardillo, a former Newsmax TV host and unregistered arms dealer who allegedly <coughs> stiffed the Ukrainian government for $200,000 worth of body armor plates. He also used to go on RT a lot and is buddy-buddy with Roger Stone and all these things, but he's, he's trying to be his own man here, I suppose. Sorry. The article continues. Christian Walker, Herschel Walker's right-wing influencer son who helped tank his father's Senate campaign. True story. (laughs) (laughs) Got Dave Reboy, who is a hungry, loving, and Qatar-hating bodybuilder with longstanding ties to John Bolton. And Caleb Hole, an ex-Trump digital strategist who has said some very, very racist things. Uh, yes, he has. Uh, we have seen those tweets, and uh, that again is another story. But <laughs> this is not clean-cut MAGA. Yeah, this is not hold my nose and and vote for Trump anyway. This is these are the guys that were down in the mud that were slinging shit literally. Yeah, uh, and this is the DeSantis A team, and they are they are Trump defectors, and it seems to me like there is a very deliberate play here to say, <laughs> well, if I'll take the the ex-Trump guy who it got revealed that he had an alt that said the N word quite a bit, I'm looking at <laughs> you, Caleb Hole. <Hull>.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> if DeSantis will take that guy, well. Why wouldn't he take Cat Turd or any number of purveyors of hate and awful things on the internet? So he doesn't... That's not exactly a banner you want to put out there, right? It's not something he wants to fly over the the governor's mansion in Florida that will accept all applicants. But, but it does it send a message. It does. It does. And And I think he could have been a lot more wishy-washy about the RNC. Trump was. Trump <laughs> just didn't really say much. But sitting down with Charlie Kirk, endorsing Harmit Dillon, who Kirk had endorsed and pushed and all of this, at the same time he's hiring these kind of influencers, it just seems like this is the play. And I'm not sure that it'll work, but it's probably the best play on the board for them.
0: Yeah. At this point, it almost has to be. I mean... You're, you're still looking at that divide between, you know, the big institutional donors that would really, really, really like it to be not Trump and the online right who, for the most part, they want Trump or nobody. You've got people, for instance, like, you know, Laura Loomer, who says, you know, I'm only voting for Trump. I'm not voting for anyone else. The Republican Party is, is awful. They're part of the Uniparty. There's that again. Oh, yeah. They have nothing for us. It's just simply the party of big donors. They're going to have a hard time, I think, getting a lot of these people to come out and even pretend to be enthusiastic if DeSantis ends up somehow getting the nomination. Because really, there's no way Trump's going to go quietly. There's no way Trump's going to say it wasn't stolen. There's no way Trump's going to go into the good night. And I don't know how they think they're going to get that to happen.
1: I don't know how they think they're going to win. I really don't. If Trump wants to stay around, and uh, have have you met Trump? Have you, have you paid attention <laughs> to anything unless the You think the guy wants attention? I mean, there's so many reasons why he will he will stick around because fuck you, because mm-hmm. as long as he's quote unquote in the race, he can still get donations because he loves attention because he's a narcissist because he can honestly he can do nothing more than tweet on the toilet and that will be enough evidence for QAnon to say he's out on the front lines and digging the trenches himself like they they don't need much to <laughs> to keep <laughs> casting this guy as the hero and savior and all these things so yeah there are there are more defections in the DeSantis camp and I don't I don't really get it. I understand why they think he's a better candidate. I do not see <laughs> how he see wins. The, right. I don't see the path forward. I I honestly think the best play for him would be to sit this one out mm-hmm. and try again in 4 years. But it it seems like they're going to try and we're going to be <laughs> we're going to yeah. be pretty nuts.
0: <laughs> yes, it's definitely going to be The campaign to watch in 2024 leading up to the election and, you know, you thought 2016 was wild. I think we've seen nothing in comparison. This is going to be just the biggest shit fight anybody wants to see.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's going to be Trump 2016 versus Trump 2016, which is when you look back at that race, it was the old institutions and the media and Democrats against this crazy upstart, very online 4chan movement. But now it's it's the 4chan civil war. That's really what we're looking at here.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, best of luck to both sides. Indeed. Let them fight. (laughs) So, an incredibly sad, disturbing, and upsetting news that somehow isn't going to surprise anyone. The right-wing commentary following the horrific killing of Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee, is markedly different than what we saw from these same commentators following George Floyd's death at the hands of Derek Chauvin. Whereas with Chauvin, a white police officer, the right went out of their way to falsely claim Floyd died of a drug overdose and that Chauvin did nothing wrong. However the black police officers involved in the death of Nichols are not getting the same treatment. Rather than defending them, some right-wingers are claiming these cops were members of a street gang known as the vice Lords. And the murder of Nichols was a gang directed beating. Are these and the other arguments they're making as racist as they seem?
1: I don't know how to take it any other way. That's when I look at this, it just seems extremely racist. And They were, the right was so quick to defend Derek Chauvin, and they came up with so many different ways where it wasn't his fault, it was George Floyd was a a drug addict, and they had stuff about George Floyd supposedly held a gun to a pregnant woman's belly, which was later disproven, and they went all in on the character assassination of George Floyd in order to paint Chauvin as innocent. And there are plenty of people in this space who still think he's innocent. They're still talking about and tweeting about his appeals and saying what a grave injustice it was. And they tried really hard to get him off, and some of them are still trying. Meanwhile, the immediate response to Tyree Nichols and the police officers who are on video beating him to death was to attack the police officers. It started, as far as I can tell, with Lauren Witzke, who is a right-wing commentator who apparently created the died suddenly quote-unquote documentary, which is anti-vax and saying that People can't just die suddenly of a heart attack. It must be because the... No, that that just wouldn't happen. It must be because of COVID-19 vaccines and something, something, big pharma is profiting off of your death. The Great Reset is happening before our eyes.
0: It should be said that we can't really find a source before Lauren Witchkey said this. And we can't find anyone else who's saying it. Everybody else who's talking about this is using her sourcing and phrasing it in terms of, is it true? There are reports. And her initial tweet was phrased, we are hearing reports. And I, again, I would like to ask who the we is in this circumstance. Is it <laughs> who you is it? or the mouse in her pocket or the voices in her head or who exactly are we talking about when we say we in her case?
1: Let me go ahead and read it. Like you said, everything else that is out there pushing this narrative is is some play off of what she tweeted. And it was put out in a tweet and nothing more official than that. Although these days that's essentially um, it's enough. I guess that's that's enough. But here's here's the here's the thread. Lauren Whitsky on January 28th, we are investigating a tip that three of the five officers in the Memphis PD beating of Tyree Nichols were members of the Vice Lords gang, and under their direction, other gang directed beatings were reportedly found on their phones. Reportedly, right? Yeah,
0: who reported that?
1: Hmm. Again, by whom? Recordings as proof of carrying out the beating. According to our source, which is who knows, <laughs> they somehow were hired because the standards have dropped since police departments have had a hard time hiring due to the Black Lives Matter movement. I'll stop here because I will say they are trying to cast this as Black Lives Matter is the is the problem and they're tying this in with defunding the police is the reason this happened. Look, police around the country have had hiring issues for quite a while now, and maybe 2020 made it worse in some places, but this has been an ongoing problem. And again, it seems like you had to add in that part about due to the BLM movement because you got to make it kind of racist. It feels like it's just, coded in every bit of this so she goes on and it it ends up being supposedly tied to some bonding company in chattanooga tennessee where i'm from which is the other side of the state who knows i i like you said i we've looked we tried to find any sort of additional source actual evidence the only thing that i can find is that yes the vice lords have been active in memphis they are based in Chicago. Chicago is not that far away from Memphis. There have been in 2019 there was a, a local leader of the Vice Lords who was killed in Memphis last year, I think it was in June of last year, there were several members of the gang that were that were arrested. So they're they're in the city. They they do exist there. Whether or not that has absolutely anything to do with Tyree Nichols or the police or these police officers in particular is entirely unsubstantiated. But Lauren Witzke, the the great investigator of COVID-19 vaccines and <laughs> her... Is is on the case. So she's got a clear track record here.
0: She does definitely have a clear track record. And when you look at her track record, it's a, a little scary, to be honest. She's got quite the track record. She has expressed, this is according to um, Jewish political guide, she has expressed support in the past for the far right conspiracy theory, QAnon, which the FBI has deemed a potential terror threat. She's uh, pictured here wearing a QAnon shirt. She's also tweeted WW1WGA, which is where we go one, we go all. It's a QAnon slogan. And on Instagram, she posted the hashtag QArmy. She says that in January 2020, she's no longer promoting the conspiracy, but she seems to have maintained ties with those who do. She also did an interview with a website called VDare. which is a white nationalist website. They make no bones about it. It's a guy named Peter Bromlow. She, in that interview, stated, America is tired of communist media outlets like CNN and the rest absurdly smearing Americans who want to limit immigration, including African Americans, Cubans, and Jews, as white nationalists or somehow fringe. Yeah, that's not an outlet you want to go talk to, really. And normally, the
1: normal... Even fairly hateful, xenophobic, anti-immigration rhetoric rarely mentions Jews because how often are specifically Jewish people coming to this country compared to anyone else? What like what percentage of of our immigrants are specifically Jews? It not a can't. Lot. It can't <laughs> it's be not that high, <laughs> and it's be, so it's not. It's not something that these people really tend to spend much time on because it's, what is it? 1% of 1% or something? It might be higher than that, but it is not a large yeah. portion of our, of our immigrants. So yeah, why did you have to throw in Jews there? Why did the QAnon lady?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe it's the next thing because the, she's also been associated publicly thanked far-right activist Nick Fuentes after he congratulated her for her primary victory when she was running for Senate in Delaware.
1: That might do it. That we might We did do an it.
0: entire show on Nick Fuentes recently. If you want to know about Nick Fuentes, you can go to our website and download that podcast and, you know, have a bucket ready because you're probably going to throw up. Yeah, it was episode,
1: episode 32. It's, uh, it's a good one, but it's... It's
0: the Nick Fuentes show. It's a little hard to listen to, but... Yeah. She also has a mind for conspiracy theories. Um, This is per The Daily Beast. At some point in her life, she watched the 9-11 conspiracy theory video Loose Change, which argues that the United States government knew about the terrorist attacks in advance. And she has described the film as a turning point in her thinking about the world. Yeah, she started making appearances on a pro-Trump event tour with a rotating cast of pro-Trump internet personalities. The group's most prominent members... Included conspiracy theorist Liz Kroken, who Witski described in 2019 as, quote, the journalist who uncovered Pizzagate. Oh. D- <laughs> <laughs> and Wheeler, a QAnon <laughs> promoter who goes by the handle education for liberals and has referred multiple times to the Jewish question, the same phrasing used by white supremacists to refer to Jewish people. So maybe that's why she's concerned about Jewish immigration. I don't know. That, she's
1: just really concerned about Jews and
0: as Weird. it relates to literally everything. Weird. I've heard that somewhere before. Well, I wonder where.
1: Is it really about the issues that she's discussing or is it about <laughs> Jews existing? Because that... Yeah, this of course, she's in with QAnon and anti-vax and Nick Fuentes. That's the thing That's she's investigating. We're hearing reports, our sources. And of course, she's on Twitter. And this has gone extremely viral. And you saw guys like Poso. He had a tweet about it was this guy a member of the Vice Lords. My phone is blowing up. And then he, and then he tweets out a random article about a a vice lord's gang member in Memphis. It's that whole I'm going to talk up the story. I'm going to put it in people's minds. I'm going to kind of feed the narrative, but I'm not actually going to say anything one way or the other. It's people will make the connections and draw your own conclusions. And it's crazy how some of these people have talking points that are very similar to QAnon. It's it's crazy how that works. Gary. Yeah, but it does speak to. Well, the credibility of the the people that are the loudest and being being listened to, but there
0: is a distinct lack of credibility with this particular source. What pizza PizzaGate journalists aren't credible. I'm sorry, no, I'm- no, apparently not. <laughs> people who said loose change changed their life. I mean, that's uh, yeah. She's been drinking the crazy for a few minutes now. If that's the case, and it says something about how badly they. Just don't want to let this one go to waste, I think. This was a tragedy. This was really awful. There's a lot of reasons why this probably happened. And most of them are probably rooted in systemic racism and police culture. At some point, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. But you can't say that if you're them. You can't have that conversation. So we have to come up with some reason why these guys were the bad guys. We have to come up with some reason that we don't have to defend this. Because we'll defend it most of the time. In the case of Derek Chauvin, they defended it. Yep. Bent over backwards to try and get that guy off the hook.
1: But their audience didn't mind. They didn't mind that even though it looked like he clearly at least committed manslaughter. On, on initial viewing, it looked... At least like manslaughter. Right. Have to fact check me on what he was actually convicted. Was it murder two that he was convicted on? He
0: was found guilty of second degree unintentional murder, third degree murder, and second degree manslaughter by a jury for his role in the murder of George Floyd.
1: Okay. So there could absolutely be a debate about which charge should have been brought. But it, it, the right didn't care. The right looked at that video and said, oh, he's innocent. And they reverse engineered a way to explain it, to sell it to their audience. And their audience didn't mind. And I just can't help but think that if Derek Chauvin had been black, they would not have tried that because their audience wouldn't have let them.
0: Right. They want a certain narrative that they aren't going to get in that circumstance. And right now, it seems like they have to come up with a reason why this can't be about police culture. Why this can't be about the idea of police acting in a manner that causes the community to distrust them, causes the community to get extremely upset, and in some cases, upset enough to go break stuff, which is not ideal, obviously. This is not a good thing, but it's a little hard to watch that video, which I did, and not understand the anger that we had this conversation three years ago, almost now in 2020 around George Floyd and large chunks of the country went up in protest about this. And here we are in 2023, still having the same conversation.
1: Right. Because what has actually changed in terms of police culture, in terms of holding them accountable? Nothing. Yeah. We had unhelpful things like abolish the police, which we don't support and don't think really fostered any sort of helpful conversation. But that was honestly a fairly fringe idea. And what you have on the other side of the aisle is a complete unwillingness to change anything, Mm -hmm. to reform, to hold them accountable, to even just criticize them at all. Right? I mean, in, in this debate that they're having, they're not criticizing these cops. They're not even talking about Tyree Nichols that much. It is just... No, this isn't about them being cops it's that's not the part they're criticizing it's well they're they're gang members or mm-hmm. this this was a a gang right or initiation, or there's even one out there that some random Twitter account that's of course verified Sir major whoever yeah. that is he lists uh Twitter spaces host as part of his bio so
0: oh we should get that in ours yeah, cool.
1: absolutely, absolutely It's really
0: hard to do. You just click a button. <laughs>
1: Here's his tweet of this is merely speculations and or a rumor (laughs) at this point. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. This information has not been confirmed. That's his disclaimer after he tweets. Breaking news that I am being told that Tyree Nichols was in a relationship with and worked at a Memphis FedEx with Memphis Police Officer Demetrius Haley's ex girlfriend and baby mama. After the beating, Officer Haley's took pictures of Tyree Nichols' face and sent it to his baby mama. So, of course, no evidence of all the crazy shit that they're flinging. This has seems like the least likely to have any sort of truth or facts to it. I think it's completely bogus and made up. But they're just not willing to have a conversation about why policing is broken in this country. And when it came to Derek Chauvin, it was not his fault. Let's attack the black guy. Derek Chauvin did nothing wrong. It was the Mm -hmm. black guy who took drugs and was trying to use counterfeit money. And well, whatever happened... It was essentially for them. He deserved it, and now for this, it is not a reflexive "let's defend the cops." It's they're not even really cops, or they're cops, but their their more defining characteristic seems to be mm-hmm. that they're gang members, or they're black, or this is a this is a fight over a baby mama, because of course black people are having lots
0: of kids. And even Tucker Carlson is pointing out things like, well. This is what you get when you have affirmative action hires on the police department. So the race riots of
2: 2020, of course, were never about George Floyd. Obviously, that's why there are no statues of him in American cities. They were about changing the country forever. And the first step, of course, was defunding police departments across the country and forcing them to lower their standards to attract unqualified applicants, hiring officers based on skin color rather than integrity or skill or self-control, all in the name of equity. Now, does that result in better policing? Well, what happened in Memphis a few weeks ago is one indicator.
1: Yeah, so of course Tucker went to race, and he did throw in that affirmative action hires. And it is, again, that idea that they're they're bad cops or they're not real cops. He's not saying because they're black, but he does mention that they're all black and he does mention George Floyd and he he does kind of throw of course he throws shade on anyone ever mentioning white supremacy in any sort of way because we can't have that discussion we can't (laughs) admit that there are systemic problems that are involved here so some of the stuff about the hiring standards being lowered I wouldn't Absolutely wouldn't be shocked if that was true. But I don't again, I don't know that it has anything to do with George Floyd. I think there has been there's been a reluctance to be a cop for quite a while now by mm-hmm. it's 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 a national problem and 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 2020 and Derek Chauvin probably made it worse, but again it's not that Derek Chauvin, who is now a convicted murderer, it made it less likely for people to want to be a cop. It's not that we can have the discussion about, hey, this cop killed a guy and maybe people don't want to be cops because they don't want to be associated with that or they don't want people to look at them that way. It has to be, oh, you've just made it harder for cops. You've made it Worse, we're hiring worse cops, and and kind of kind of implied here is, oh, we're hiring all these black cops, and he's not saying that that's bad, but gosh, I feel like his listeners hear that, don't they?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a dog whistle. He is dog whistling the hell out of that, and I I'm willing to bet he knows it. This is Tucker, after all, he is quite the prolific dog whistler, and I really think that you know they seized on. The whole abolish the police, defund the police, guys like Tucker, they got all over that and promoted it relentlessly like it was an actual serious policy proposal or something. Even defund the police didn't really go anywhere in most places.
1: They tried to pin that on Joe Biden and, oh, yeah, Joe Biden wants to abolish the police. And if you looked at his record, it was clear <laughs> that he was not going to do that. And he clearly did not do he that. He said
0: that at the time, too. Yeah. He said that was a stupid idea. The point, though, wasn't really to try and convince, obviously, anybody on the other side of the aisle. They wanted to convince their core audience. And if you look at it the right way, I don't want to sound paranoid here, but to some extent, they've been running sort of an active measures campaign against police for a while, in a lot of ways, trying to convince the police that they're under siege, that they're under threat. They would like to break down the societal order of things. We know this. and. The police are one of the pillars of societal order, especially now that we've cut the social safety net to the bone in most places, the police end up doing a lot of jobs they shouldn't necessarily have to do. They get called out for things that in a lot of cases would be better served with social workers, would be better served with EMTs or paramedics, but we don't have the funds for any of that anymore. We've cut all of that. So now we send the police and a lot of the time doesn't work out as well as it probably could. And we want, then, these people who are sort of holding a a section of this together to feel like they're under threat, to feel like they're under attack, and to either quit their jobs, maybe move somewhere that's not a big city, that's not quite as stressful, or to almost go on sort of a slowdown strike. I am really convinced that a lot of this propaganda like that has been designed to, you know, mess with the cops themselves. and. Yeah, sorry if that sounds a little paranoid, but that's what these people do.
1: Well, if you're looking at Tucker and some of these people as dog whistling or maybe kind of secretly endorsing an idea like accelerationism, uh, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> what better way to increase the chaos and to cause more turmoil than to make cops scared to do their jobs or make people not want to be cops or make people not listen to cops? Mm-hmm. If the idea is society is broken and we need to create something new, which, yeah, even if they don't believe it, they're, again, pushing a lot of the same talking points and rhetoric. This is this is what you would do. Yeah. I absolutely get what you're saying and I get where you're going with that because I, I looked at – there's this post-millennial article that a bunch of people on the right shared and the article is less important than – Something that I took from it, but they took specific issue with a local news report from Fox 13 Memphis. And the issue they took was that, well, the post-millennial article said a local news report from 2021 praised efforts by the department to recruit more people of color due to their purported likelihood to use force far less frequently than white male officers. And I looked at the article and the Fox 13 Memphis article is titled More Diversity, Less Brutality, the local partnership that could be a model for the nation. And it does go into the idea that black people being killed by the police is still an issue. And there is some evidence and some research which has said that black cops will commit less violence against black offenders. Now, clearly, in this case with Tyree Nichols, that is kind of thrown on its head. But we also have to remember that outliers exist and that doesn't necessarily make the study and the information that's out there untrue. We have to remember viral videos are, they're a peek into society and culture and the world that we live in, but they do not explain all of the things that occur on a daily basis. They do not make up no, no, the entirety don't. of us, right? It is, a, it is a little snapshot and it can very quickly kind of distort our worldview and how we see things. And we have to be aware of that and know the difference between what's real and what's on the internet, right? So looking at this article, it seems like whoever put it out there and wrote it wants things to be better. And and we can debate what they say here, whether or not it's true, whether or not it really works, whether or not enough is being done. But it absolutely seems like the author of this article, the author of the study, is looking for solutions and change. And the right just wants to point and laugh at that. They seem to take joy in belittling people who are looking for solutions. Maybe this isn't it, but let's admit there's a problem. Let's try to get at the root cause and let's try to make this better. And that's
0: not what they want. They want it to burn. I mean, we see it with how they treat the FBI. We see it with what they've said about the FBI and what they've said about federal law enforcement. And who's to say that they don't see it the same way at the local level? It's, it's really a problem and we need solutions. Like you said, we don't need more finger pointing. We need to find a way. I remember at the time thinking that we don't need to, you know, defund the police. We need to reimagine it. We need to look at where we're at with this concept and see if it still fits where we're at and reimagine what it means to be a police officer. I think in this country, I think that we're holding to a pretty outdated model that just doesn't work anymore.
1: Well, and if you think back to the horrible, deadly shooting in Uvalde, Texas, and what happened? The cops didn't go in. They could have saved lives. They could have stopped some of the bloodshed and death that happened that day. And they wouldn't go. I think they were armored vehicles that they were using in -hmm. in Texas. And yeah, if you're talking about reimagining it or changing it, Why don't we look at something like that and say, did you really need that armored vehicle or do you need some better training or some better oversight or a different way of imagining your role here, whatever it takes so that instead of cowering and hiding and refusing to go in, you do your job. And that doesn't sound like a money problem. It's a
0: training problem. Yeah. it's a culture problem. It's a training problem. It's a when all you have is a hammer. Every problem looks like a nail problem. And in a lot of cases, that's what the situation is. That's why things get bad is because we don't train these guys enough. This is Henner Gracie, a jujitsu expert who, along with his brother, Hiron, spends most of his time training law enforcement officers and other first responders to use Brazilian jujitsu as a means to de-escalate confrontations.
2: The average police officer in America gets zero to four hours per year in empty hand control tactics training, which is essentially nothing. When any disastrously undertrained police officer gets into a physical altercation that exceeds their very limited abilities, they panic. And in many cases, they escalate their level of force rapidly and excessively because they simply don't have the calm, controlled means to physically de-escalate these high-stress situations. And here's the problem. To the untrained eye, the panic-induced uses of excessive force that every poorly trained officer is either guilty of or at risk of looks virtually identical to the anger-induced uses of excessive force That we associate with police officers who are a disgrace to the profession.
0: I'm obviously biased as a jujitsu guy, but having seen the program that a lot of departments are using, having gone through that training, that seminar myself, I'm here to tell you that if they went ahead and did that and they've seen some promising results in places like Marietta, Georgia, with use of force going way down. I think this is something that you could use as a way to sort of bridge that gap and give people more tools in their belt so confrontations don't end up turning into, well, I've got to use my stick or my gun every time things get threatening. I think we could really make a lot of progress if we were to implement something like what they've implemented in Marietta, what the King County Criminal Justice Academy, the academy that most of the Washington cops go through, is implementing on a daily basis. I think if you were to implement something like this nationwide, you could see a lot of good being done here, so I would get every cop training two, three times a week and
1: those are some great examples, and I'm sure there are there are more out there mm-hmm. and I think what we take away from this most of all is we're not having that discussion today and There are a very specific group of people that are ensuring that does not occur. So yeah, yeah, let's let's look for the real solutions. And yeah, like you said, it's it it may not be a question of money. It's where that money is going, where it's being allocated. They may have enough resources, but maybe they're not
0: going to the right place. Stop paying for Grossman seminars and start paying for Henner Gracie seminars. There's my soapbox. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word for, and the letter M, all one word, and Griza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A-B J, as well as D-N-W-Pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned Did Nothing Wrong.